Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back again to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I am here with Yusi Goine. What's up today? Another episode, another day. Uh, I did a bicycle run this morning. Uh, and the reason for this is uh, we had uh, this sort of uh, meeting at work. And it was one of those meetings where you know that, that you're not supposed to open your mic or video. You just tune in and listen. And I figured since we're all working remotely that I can at least take some benefit from this. So I hopped on my bicycle. It takes about 10 minutes because you need to get all of your gear, your GPS tracking device, your temperature tracking sensors. And, and on, on the pedals, I've got the, uh, I think it has a nice word, a small sensor that measures the, the cadence on, on how quickly you're pushing the bicycle through the forests. Yep. So I turn all of those on. I exit the house. I, I did about 25 kilometers in the morning, super relaxed. It was quite nice, and I figured I need to do this more often when I have these sort of meetings. All right, sounds good. So you actually went outside and did it, not one of those virtual bikes? No, no, no. Actually, actually went outside. So I live next to the sea, and just behind the building I live in, there, there's a bike path that's about 50K one way, and, wow. and it's, it's, it's always by the sea. So you don't get to see too many other people, which is a huge bonus, of course. And, and then you actually get some fresh air. Yeah, sounds good. And for you? So for me, I did not go on my bike this morning. I wish I did because the weather was awesome. Um, but instead, I was checking up on something that I have as a spare time project. And this is, I'm not sure why, but also why not. Uh, I am making my own dandelion wine. D- dandelion is kind of what you would call wheat in your uh, lawn. or uh, It's a very common flower that we have here. So I went out and we picked some of these in the, in the woods because we don't want to pick them in the city where all the gases and whatever can be and, yeah. or, and or someone is walking their dog and they take a leak on the, on the flowers. It's not so nice if I put that into the wine. So we went down to, into the woods and we picked out a bunch of different things, including these dandelions. And now I'm trying to make a small batch of dandelion wine. I did not know that it was a thing, but since I learned, I thought, well, it's there's an overflow of these so you only need that and a bunch of sugar and and some yeast and you know the the normal yeasting process will begin and then you get alcohol infused wine um so i'm not drinking a lot of wine i'm not drinking a lot of anything actually with alcohol these days but i thought it's a great project so it will keep me busy so in the future when we Perhaps one day again we get to travel and, and we get to meet and, and, and have good dinners. Uh, don't be offended if I, <laughs> if I bring my own wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no offense will be taken, I assure you, uh, because I am fairly certain that this wine will not be good. It is a fun project. I am doing my best to make it awesome, but also it's dandelion. It's weed from yeah. the lawn, so... 
Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of of Italian wines and the the sort of more bold wines from the US. Like actual Met, wines. Actual real <laughs> wines. And many many of my friends are into natural wines now. I mm-hmm. simply don't get them at all. So this reminds me of the Dandelion wine now. <laughs> but I'm It's a I'm bit of a hipster. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm keen on hearing how it turns out and and we need to see a photo of that in your glass and how it looks. Yeah, and a before and after photo because if if yeah. I make it after I taste it then then that's a good sign. If yes. I if I still live. Alrighty. So today's episode is about measuring your developer velocity. And and perhaps um I'll I'll open this up a bit to uh with, with a sort of background on this. So a couple of weeks ago, Microsoft Build 2020 uh, happened. And one of the announcements, and they had a lot of announcements, and we did one episode on those as well. So one of the announcements was Developer Velocity Assessment Tool together with something called the Developer Velocity Index, DVI. And, and I had been waiting for this to be released so that I could actually try out the tool and see what it's all about. So in a nutshell, developer velocity is not about how many lines of code a team of devs is capable of producing, meaning more velocity is faster equals better. But this is more about what's the velocity of a team or even an organization in producing uh, results and is there something you could optimize as part of this process that might not necessarily be about technology? It might be about uh, your working practices, your communications, and all sorts of things beyond just deciding are we using GitHub or, or Azure DevOps. Right. So the, so the process, so a developer in this case, or developer velocity is not just how fast you type the code, but it's you use this as a kind of measurement of your entire process, right? Uh, the crafting yeah. process, which includes a bunch of things, not just building, but also how do you test it? How do you ship it? How do you, how do you ensure that whatever you build is actually good enough? Yeah. When I, when I was learning uh, to, to code in, in these sort of modern languages, perhaps C-sharp and VB.net, uh, about 20 years ago, I recall reading online that certain companies would, would uh, define if you were a good developer or a senior developer, depending on how many lines of code you were able to produce per day. Nice. And, and, and they quote, <laughs> don't laugh, this, this is for real. So they quoted somebody saying, yeah, I can do about 1,200 lines a day. So I'm, I'm a principal developer. And I was young, I was foolish then, I'm still young though. And, and I figured, okay, so 1,200 lines, that's an awful lot. But I didn't take into account at the time that if you do like a, like a for loop, you could do that as a one-liner or you could spend eight lines on that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you do it with eight lines, then you're a better developer. Then you will reach the principal level of developer. Yeah. And, and obviously, comments are included <laughs> as well. So if, if you do a bunch of comments in ASCII art, that uh, obviously means you're thoughtful I, uh, and... I'm very sad that this is actual actual history of how it worked, but yeah. I'm also very glad that nobody's measuring that anymore. Exactly. So back to the report. 
and, and how this got started is that McKinsey, the, the huge consulting company, they produced a report and it's available for free. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. And, and the findings they have on the report are interesting. And then based on those findings, they crafted the developer velocity index, which is a sort of a matrix on, on these findings. And then based on that index, Microsoft created the developer velocity assessment tool that uses that matrix uh, as a database based on what you fill out in the tool. And um, looking at the report, uh, McKinsey says they surveyed, surveyed uh, 440 large enterprises. And on top of that, about 100 other interviews. So I'm not sure how many people were interviewed, but I think it's safe to assume at least 540, meaning for 440 from the companies plus 100 people on top of that. So, so all the data or the index that they crafted with this matrix is based on actual data from a lot of big companies. Yes, and the report itself is, is good. It's, it's insightful in the sense that it's, it's not trying to push this one truth for you, that this is what you have to accept. The, the matrix itself has 46 different drivers such as in technology, they have software architecture, data architecture. Are you using test automation? Are you using planning tools? Are you using lower no-code tools? And then in working practices, they have security and compliance practices. Are you embracing open source? Do you do more inner source? And then in organizational enablement, they have this sort of capabilities such as how's the team working? Do you have cross-functional teams? Is there something called what's, what's, what's called the psychological safety in the culture, meaning that uh, people can voice out their different, different opinions? Uh, if somebody makes a mistake, are they crucified? Or is this something that's, that's accepted as part of the culture? So out of these 46 drivers and 13 dimensions, uh, McKinsey created the uh, the developer velocity maturity index. Right. That's so so you have this index, and it's based on all the data from from all these organizations and individuals that that provided their their data and insights. And like, how would you know your own score? Is there a way that I can say, you know, what get me into that matrix, or you know, provide me with my kind of score to see how? It, because what it really is. To me, it sounds like it's a benchmark compared to an average in the industry. So this scoring from zero to one or zero to five is only relative to everyone who's already been in that um, kind of interview or where the data is coming from. So if you score a five, that's five out of five on whatever in that category based on data from all of these organizations. So if I now want to do this myself, how do I know if I'm a five or a two or how do I know where I kind of fit in this graph, if you will? So as you said, it plugged me into the matrix and I'll show you. The, uh, they use something called the Johnson's Relative Weights Analysis. I, I actually had a look on Wikipedia and it went straight to math, which I didn't get. So I'm, I, I'll take their word that it's, it's a good analysis. But the idea is that they surveyed the 440 enterprises, came up with a bunch of... A bunch of uh, 
findings and then they quantified these using the Johnson's relative weights analysis that then produces the DVI score. So in a sense, it's, it's a sort of a metric and based on how you actually want to achieve your own score, your own developer velocity index, it's then benchmarked against, against these large enterprises. And what's available now is uh, the developer velocity assessment tool. That's free as well. The small challenge in there is that when you start filling out the tool, it does require you to log in with your organizational account, meaning an Azure AD account. That's all fine and well. But uh, when I checked this yesterday, the last time, when you authenticate and it's asking for consent, the consent hasn't been signed or verified as being Microsoft asking for the consent. Okay. Got it. So, so what they're what, asking, what kind of permissions are they asking for? They they want to read all user profiles, basic information from your directory. Okay, so not your user no, profile, but everything. No, okay. everything. <laughs> so in that sense, perhaps I'll either, just use my dev tenant and test it out. <laughs> yeah, perhaps use your dev tenant. I used my test tenant as well because I was I was a bit worried, not in the sense that I wouldn't trust Microsoft, but in the sense that hmm, this should be verified, this should be signed, this should be something that says Microsoft as opposed to saying saying not specified or unknown. Uh, okay, so you log into the tool and then it takes you about 15 minutes to fill out. You're going to obviously spend as much time as you like. There's about 30 questions, and maybe, maybe you can fly through those in three minutes. But what I found out myself is that those questions are divided in three different topics, so technology, working practices, and organizational enablement. What I found out is that plenty of those questions require you to think a bit that what's your approach on this specific aspect. And when I started filling this out, I don't own a large enterprise. So I put on my imaginary hat of Yussi and, and his imaginary dog uh, creating custom software. So the team of two, how would we approach this? And I found that on many of the questions, it was challenging to know what should I answer when they ask, how often do you have meetings between your DevOps and security teams? Yeah. And, and that's, that's perhaps one of the things that if you are not working within an enterprise setup, then some of those questions will require you to maybe, maybe be a bit creative on what you're answering. Yeah. And I, I get that. And I mean, all, all kinds of organizations I've worked with in the past work differently. And for enterprises, you have a lot of these processes in place. For, for myself, we're a bit of a smaller company. We have a lot of these processes in place, but they look different than they would if I were working for an enterprise or some of the customers I work with in the past. Um, so, of course, it can vary. Um, is the, when we talk about enterprises versus, for example, a startup of 20 people, is there a difference in the scoring mechanism or do you select in the beginning, like, I'm a very small company or I'm a very large company? And does it take that into consideration? Or it's even if you're a two-man band, it will put you in the scoring of, of this index the same way as if you were 10,000. It's the same. So it, it's not optimized uh, in the sense on what sort of an organization do you have. But my 
takeaway from this was that I need to understand what's the recommended practices in there. And then I, I, when I get the results, it's up to me to decide how much weight do I want to put on those different findings. So if they say perhaps in organizational enablement that you need to have, uh, let's say, monthly meetings and, and a process to meet with your CSO and your COO and CIO, and if I simply don't have those roles, then I can, I can say, okay, this is not relevant to me. So it does give you a breakdown on, on each of these topics. And then you can simply say, okay, this is not relevant to us. And the score itself is still useful. Because once you get the score, the DBI, uh, it breaks down each of those findings and gives you additional resources. And the score is between zero and five, five being the maximum. And as an, as an example, I got 3.4 as the total score, meaning for technology, I got 3.5. Working practices, I only got 2.8, but organizational enablement, I got four. And based on those, you can then click through the different recommendations. So for technology, it's, it's, it's telling me that perhaps decompose a monolithic application into a microservices architecture. So it's a bit of a marketing, but at the same time, considering that you often have large enterprises and they don't move too agile into whatever is the, is the latest, best recommendation on something like software architecture. So this nicely captivates all of the essence that, okay, based on this, you need to do this, this, and this. Right. So it's, it's kind of the resembles here, some of the tools that, that we designed in the past, which is, um, you know, it, it gives you an assessment of what you have, but also a recommendation for how to improve. So it's not just a report saying you have a 4.1 on this index period and now go show it off to the world. It's more like you have a 4.1, here's why, and here's what you can do to improve in these areas where you're lacking. Exactly. And uh, as an example, as part of technology, so that was about 10 questions, as part of that, it gave me on public cloud adoption, it gave me a subscore of 4.8 out of 5. And, and it simply says, okay, you are mostly embracing the public cloud. You're using this and this and this and this. So all good. And then I can just scratch that over. And I think there's value in this both for enterprises, but as well uh, for ISVs and Microsoft partners perhaps working with their customers, trying to understand what should happen next with those, those customers and enterprises, have them fill this out, then go through those findings and then prioritize those findings that, okay, we really need to fix this because it seems we are below average on this and this. Yeah. So it's, it's, it sounds to me like a lot of the tools I've used in the past in, in the category assessments, if you will, is usually for internal improvement not so much for external bragging. So it's not a tool where you say, hey, I have a 3.2 on the DVI scale, how cool am I? Uh, it's more a tool where you get this report so you can improve how you do things internally to yeah, improve your overall posture in your tech stack and how you work with your processes. Yeah, this, the tool, the assessment reminded me of uh, the compliance manager you have as part of Office 365. That was made available two years ago when GDPR came into effect, or that was the, the last day for transformation to GDPR compliance in the EU region. 
and then the compliance manager was something that you would use within your company to figure out who's doing what and are we compliant uh, for GDPR or something else. So this is a bit of the same, but much simpler. But I also realized when I was filling this out that if I had a large team, I would need to pull in different people to give me answers on some of those questions. So that's why it takes a bit longer to fill this out. All right. So I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a wing. I'm going to do it for myself and my organization uh, because it actually fits exactly my role that I'm, that I'm doing at the moment. So it would fall on me to do this uh, for my organization. So that's what I'm going to do. And we'll see what comes out of that. That looks yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and this is probably one of those tools that I will recommend in the future when I interact with partners, when I interact with ISVs. They might be asking, hey, should we do this, should we do that? And even if my role at Microsoft isn't strictly to support us, uh, a partner, I'm happy to help them out whenever I can. And if this tool gives me this sort of toolbox that I can say, please fill this out, let's have a look then how you approach these different things. And then they can... Uh, kind of prioritize what's relevant and what's not. Yeah, sounds cool. Alrighty, so so that was that was a developer velocity. It's it's fairly simple in the sense, but it's useful to fill out. And and as is customary, let's move on to word of the day. Uh, we learn a bit of Swedish and Finnish. Should I start with Finnish now for a change? Let's try that. So this is a bit of an old school saying. So this is two words, and and. Perhaps I'm too old school, but I'm still using this with my kids. So, so the Finnish saying is hippulat vinkuen or hippulat vinkumaan. And what it means, it translates quite directly to, or, or what it means is, let's get on with this, or you better get cracking real soon now or else. And uh, hippula is traditionally a little trinket or, or a jingle pell that you put on a horse carriage which I do not own. And uh, the vinkuen means whining or that sound you get when you, ride, when you run just in the right angle against the wind with an open bottle. So hippulat vinkuen. Yes. So when something's not happening, you say, let's, let's get hippulat vinkumaan, meaning that you, you better get going or, or else something else is going to happen. Wow. I like Finnish. <laughs> Me too, it's, me too. <laughs> it's an interesting language. <laughs> so Swedish next. So the Swedish one is a fairly simple one. And I was only reminded of, of this now recently. I had a discussion with, with someone who went out and actually practiced this or whatever you would say. And it's not something I've done myself. Uh, the word is festsnusa. And in Sweden, we have some kind of tobacco called snuff. And this is um, the, the type of thing you put um, it's a, t- a tobacco in some kind of paper and you put it under your upper lip. It's a very Swedish thing, I guess. And if you only do that while you are at a party, then it's called fest snusa because fest means party. So it's a, it's a party snuff. So, and that's a thing. If you are at a party and you are using this type of tobacco, we have a word for that and that's fest snusa. And a lot of people never use it ordinarily in their everyday lives, but when they go to specific parties, you know, they have a friend who usually have the snuff and then they get one and, well, they usually get um, super accelerated in everything in their brain because it's a kind of a tobacco boost, nicotine boost, which is 
not something I would recommend ever. So. Okay, this should be easy. Let me try first snooze. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. So if you if you're looking looking for uh, you know excitement in Sweden, just find a good party where you can fest snooze and <laughs> you're <good. laughs> you're all set. <laughs> and you can have uh, some dandelion wine with that, and you're oh, good. Oh <laughs> yeah, my I would be set. Uh, oh, we we do have snuff in Finland, but I think, and I'm not an expert here. So I think if you want to have it, you actually have to travel to Sweden to get it and you can import for your personal use. I'm, I'm kind of guessing here. Uh, back in the day, and I think this was when I was a little kid and, and still in high school, we would have snuff, but it was the sort of uh, variety that, that would have small glass fiber things with it. So yeah. you would put that uh, in your upper lip so it, it would kind of open up your skin a little bit so that the nicotine would, would ingest more easily. But I think it's not like that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't use any of that stuff. So I'm, I'm happy not to know that. We need a guest who's an expert on all the things <laughs> we talk here <laughs> that we know nothing about. So, okay. So mission impossible. Number one, find a dandelion wine expert. Yes. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll find one in the future <laughs> or, or we'll become one. Either All way. Right. Alrighty, thanks for tuning in on measuring your developer velocity and until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.